Welcome, and thank you for tuning into the Graceland Church Podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. Worship team, that was so beautiful. Thank you. Let's give them a hand, guys. They are on fire. And Steve, we are celebrating with you. How awesome was that baptism and that testimony? God saved your life. You're baptized. And his three daughters are up here celebrating and crying, and his wife, it's just incredible. Uh, My family and I are so glad to be back. Each summer, we get to go visit our siblings and our parents. They're all across Pennsylvania. My wife's family is the Pittsburgh side. My family's the Philadelphia side. And man, I want to give a shout out to our staff and our team who got to hear Pastor Oscar last week. That was awesome. I told his little brother, Samuel, who was on base today, he was the real hero of the story because he's the one who said whenever Oscar was considering that shoe purchase and he was only seeing the negative reviews, it was Samuel that said, there's always negative reviews. You got to focus on the good reviews. So let's hear it for Samuel. Come on. <laughs> when we go on that trip, um, we, we work from there a little bit too. So I preached both of those Sunday, Sundays. I even got to do a little bit of premarital counseling. And both of those churches uh, have supported us and prayed for us, my family and I, as we've planted churches, which we, we did some over in Los Angeles for a number of years. And then we came here to plant and it turned into a beautiful story here with Graceland Church. So I, I have greetings from those churches for you. They have a lot of love for you in their hearts. Um, I'm so thankful for everything God is doing here at Graceland Church. Just a few things that happened uh, while we were away just in the past few weeks. Um, Our seniors ministry started a four-week series of fellowship and film, and I believe they're meeting next week again, and it was just a beautiful launch, and they had uh, just some incredible food and time together. Um, Our ESL class, had, which is taught by Brad Tatum here, had students showing up learning English, so Spanish speakers learning English. We have no clue how they got here, literally, and now some of those people have joined our Grayson Espanol team. Isn't that amazing? So thankful for that. I found out that Mom Life, uh, one of our ministries to moms, is starting a second location because we're totally maxed out here with space. So a sister church of ours called Full Life uh, here in Franklin, who their pastors are good friends of mine and we love them, are starting their own Mom Life. So that is incredible. Um, you, I already, we already mentioned it, but I want to say it again. Newcomers Connect today, right after this service. If you're new or newish, this is specifically designed for you. It's only 30 minutes. There's going to be some great food. You'll get to hear our backstory, our vision, our heart, and how you can connect. It's right through those stores and right up those stairs. So once I close our benediction, I'm going to head right up there, and hopefully some of you guys can join us. Even if you haven't registered, we have a, a, a number of people registered, of course, but there's still some space. So even if you haven't registered, feel free to just show up. We had popsicles in the park yesterday, which is a ministry our church sponsors and runs for the local elementary school, Thompson Station Elementary, for rising kinder gardeners. So we just set up there at the park. The PTO shows up, they sponsor it, and we just give out tons of popsicles, do face painting. My fingers are still sore from balloon animals, so we're just serving the community. It was just beautiful. And then, of course, youth starting tonight, weekly services, now Sunday nights. Isn't that awesome? So just log it into your brains for 6th to 12th graders. Every Sunday night now, 5 p.m. is Graceland Youth. We're so excited for that. We've had youth for a number of years now, but it hasn't been consistent weekly like that. So we're so thankful for Pastor Oscar and for that getting set up in that way. You know, all these things that God is doing here, and there's, there's way too many to mention, uh, they're simply results of living out our mission uh, from God, which the way we articulate it is following Jesus 
and loving our neighbor for the good of the city. And when we lean into that, when we follow Jesus together and love our neighbors together, we get to see life change through Jesus in ourselves and in people that we're ministering to. It's an incredible thing to get to be a part of. And we envision here at the church, and we're moving towards being a diverse and enduring church, and we always want to stay focused on the mission of God, and we're building a land of grace. We've been blessed with property, and I've been having meetings, and we're dreaming about expanding this facility, but also doing things on our property that serve the underserved of our city, or a light and a city on a hill, all kinds of beautiful things that we're dreaming about, and we'll be sharing with you about those as they come. And I've been saying it like this recently, a land of grace for the good of the city. In fact, I was driving in this morning early, uh, coming across 840 uh, to the Lewisburg Pike exit, and the sun is rising, and there's still mist out there, and I was listening to some beautiful instrumental worship, and I had just this sense of God's love song for our city. And when I say our city, I just mean our whole area, our region. God loves everybody. We know that. He loves you. He loves your neighbor. He loves every city. He loves every country, every state. But I think we should be especially attuned and familiar with his love song to our city. He loves you, he loves me, he loves all our neighbors. He's doing unique, special things here. And get this, we get to be a part of his love song to our city. How incredible is that? So when we talk about joining the church, engaging with the vision, dreaming about what is to come, we are just partnering with God on seeing his kingdom come, his will be done right here in our area as it is in heaven. I love this definition of vision, the ability to think about or plan the future with imagination or wisdom. Another way to say it is a picture of the future that produces passion. So that's what we're talking about. We have a picture of the future for our church and for our lives as individuals and families, and it produces passion in us to press onward. And one of the the reasons I believe we're like that, the primary reason we're like that, is because God created us in his image, and you may not know this or not, but he is a God of vision. In fact, the very first time we're introduced to God in scripture is this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So we first see God as a visionary artist that is creating something on purpose. And I think that's absolutely incredible. And it's not just our earth, it's the entire universe. How many of you guys saw the recent incredible images from the web space telescope. Anybody? I brought a few of my favorites. If you haven't, you need to Google this and explore it a little bit. Look how articulate this is a real image of our universe, a tiny little piece, and it's from the new Webb Space Cam, which is just so much more powerful than the Hubble telescope that we're used to seeing images of. If you can go to the next one, Hannah, this one right here is the first one they released, I think, just a couple months ago, and it looks incredible, but it's even more incredible when you realize that that little slice of the universe we're seeing, which is massive, is actually, and I hope I get this right, it's actually as big as a grain of sand looks to us at arm's length when you consider the entire vastness of the universe. That's how small that little sliver is. So we are talking about an artist with a grand vision. And when we create, when we dream, when we imagine a future, when we write songs, when we paint, when we think about businesses, when we, when we design even our homes or whatever we're doing, we are tracking in the divine because we're made in the image of our creator, right? He's a creative God. And to make it even more amazing is he has a vision for the universe, but he also has a vision for you. Can you believe that? 
And I want to share three kind of pre-points before I read our text today. And the first one is that on your notes. God has a vision for your life. We don't always believe that. Because real life kind of hits us. And, and maybe we were told as kids, God has a plan for you. But we start to doubt it. Anybody with me? We start to wonder, how really involved is God in my life? How much does he really care? Well, I just want to start with the statement, and you might not fully agree with it yet, and that's okay, but God has a vision for you. It's a clear vision. It's a hopeful vision. And when you really try to align yourself with his vision, you start to realize that there seem to be things pulling you away from that vision at the same time, things trying to sabotage that vision. And that's because, number two in your notes, the thief has a vision for your life. And I'm using the language of thief, because that's the word that Jesus used for, uses for Satan to help us understand in the text we're studying today. The thief has a vision for you too, not just God. The thief's vision is very clear and very harmful. And the thief, who is the father of lies, he tries to get you to buy into his vision by making it seem appealing, but it is nothing but empty promises. But we forget sometimes that he has a vision he's trying to work out for our life. So it it shows us that there are two very different visions for our lives from two very different sources. And number three is you choose which vision to align yourself with. So the title today is Two Visions for Your Life. We're going to dive into John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. We're studying the whole gospel of John. Um, we've been in it for almost a year now. We're taking breaks here and there and doing other little things. But we're going to do these first 10 verses of chapter 10 today. So we're going to read the whole text first because we just want to make much of God's word. And then we're going to walk through it verse by verse. It starts in John chapter 10, verse 1, with Jesus saying this. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So, Lord, we just bring our hearts before you, and we say, speak, for your servant is listening. That's our prayer, God. Give us ears to hear your words today, eyes to see what you are doing. Give us the humility of heart to sit at your feet, the great teacher. And even for those of us that, that are not believers today or are just so skeptical of all this or, or, or don't buy into any of it, God, we, we even have a little, a little piece of us that says, man, if this is true, I want to know it. If this is really true, I want to know. So if that's our prayer, may we, may we be honest seekers even with that prayer. I'm not buying this, but God, if this is true and you're real and, and, and you have a vision for me, I want to understand it. I want to know it. So God, speak today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So it starts to help 
it always starts, I'm sorry, it always helps, I'm confused, it always helps to start with context, um, understanding the context of the culture and the people to whom Jesus spoke these words gives us tremendous insights that we wouldn't otherwise get. So let me give you a couple. Back in this time, shepherds would graze sheep all day long, and at the end of the day, they would be exhausted, and they would find a sheep pen or a sheep fold where they would leave the sheep to spend the night. Several different shepherds would bring their shepherds, would bring their sheep to the same sheep pen, and they would all leave them there, and there would be a watchman or a gatekeeper that was in charge of that sheep pen that would watch them all night long while the shepherds rested. And then the shepherds in the morning would come back to get their sheep. So it gives us a little bit more context when we read verse 1, when he says, "Very very truly I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. And he's just using the metaphor of sheep, sheep being us and being in a pen and people trying to get in to get at the sheep. And as a side note today, I do believe it speaks to healthy leadership in the church and how important that is. And just, it's important for me to mention because we're in a day and age where we're not just in our own local church and with the people that we do life with, we're also listening to like other voices, right? And there's all kinds of people speaking things to us. And I'm just here to tell you, we got to be careful what voices we let in because there are predators and false voices that try to come in outside of the gate to take advantage of and exploit the sheep. So healthy leadership in the church only comes through Jesus. And what happened last week and what's continued to happen with a lot of our leaders and pastors here, Pastor Oscar uh, preached God's word And yes, he ministered to the people here, but also what's happening there is the Holy Spirit is affirming, yes, I have called Pastor Oscar as one of the under-shepherds of Jesus, the great shepherd, to be a voice into this church family. You tracking with me? It doesn't mean he's perfect and everything that he says is just like gold. No, no, he makes mistakes. He's just a human like all of us, but he's a trusted under-shepherd at Graceland Church, right? To the point that he's our youth pastor. We trust our kids to be shepherd. One of the shepherds in their life is Pastor Oscar, and only, that can only come through Jesus and be affirmed by the Holy Spirit. Are you guys tracking with me? And there are other voices that we would not let in like that because we want to be wise about our discernment. And so then reading on, this all makes so much more sense. Verse two, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd, Jesus says. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Now, another piece of context that's just so fascinating. As I mentioned earlier, there are sheep from different shepherds in one sheep pen. And this is before the time when they had really simple ways to like brand all the sheep. Uh, They weren't like wearing necklaces. And if you study the context here, what you learn is that sheep know the voice of their shepherd. So when any particular shepherd shows up into the morning to the sheep pen, if in fact the gatekeeper lets that shepherd in, it means he's a true shepherd of those sheep. And all he has to do is start speaking and calling the sheep and his sheep start following him. Isn't that incredible? And then he leads them out to pasture again. And then another shepherd comes and his sheep follow him. And this helps us make sense of what it's talking about as Jesus being our good shepherd and us knowing his voice and following him. He, he, he's not driving the sheep. He's not prodding the sheep. He's leading the sheep. And we are meant to know his voice and follow him. And then verse four, it further explains. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them 
and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. We need to normalize discerning the voices in our life. And I think perhaps more so than ever because we have access to more voices than ever, right? When you scroll things on your phone or on the internet, you are just by default giving certain voices access to your life. I'm not saying that's bad, but we're just, we're hearing things, we're listening things, we're observing things every time we do that. And we need to be careful. I, I was joking around with some friends recently who, who were just struggling with their social media. It was, it was discouraging them. It was leading them into dark places. And so I just coached them on, you need to go through and unfriend or unfollow every person that doesn't help lead you towards life, period. Why would you be looking at that? Why would you daily, like between shifts at work or like before you get in the shower in the morning or whatever time it is or before you go to bed, even worse, want to look at a bunch of things that don't lead you to the place of life. Doesn't that seem obvious? We need to normalize discerning the influences in our life. I remember when I was a young music pastor uh, in my young 20s, there was a gentleman who visited the church where I served once, and he tried to pitch me on like branding myself so much so that I, I was like... Um, he was saying, this is your ministry, Nathan. Don't let all of these other people get a piece of it. You need, he's basically saying, you need to get your own and, and understand that this is your work. And it, it just wasn't resonating. It felt like someone was trying to like stoke the fire of my selfish ambition, not my heart to serve the Lord and build the kingdom. You know what I mean? And it's not to say there's any issue with like marketing or branding in the music industry and all those kind of things. But it was just clear to me, and I'm thankful to God for this, that in that moment, this was not a voice that was from my good shepherd. And so you know what I did? By God's grace, I just shut down that voice. I wasn't mean, but I said, oh, thanks, man. I, I'm glad. Thank you for the nice words. And I never talked to him again. And that was it. Once you give people the signal that they don't have an open door with you, that's it, you know? Uh, likewise, I remember when my wife and I were praying through a big move and a big, like, not career, but job change as far as where we were serving as pastors from Pennsylvania all the way to Los Angeles. We had our firstborn daughter. It was a giant deal. It was right on the tail end of the recession of 08. So we were like kind of under the water financially. We owned a house. It was a whole big mess of stuff. And we just felt like God was leading us to do that. It was a giant step of faith. There were no jobs there. There was no income. And we, it had gotten to the point where we were like, this feels right to us and the Holy Spirit were going. And at this point, it's a green light unless God gives us a red light. And the wise counsel in my life was affirming it. And I did have two people that I did know, and they were part of the church I was in, that both said they had dreams of why we shouldn't go and how bad it was going to be if we did go. And, oh, and, in, and <laughs> newborns in the church family is the best thing in the world. Um, I take that as an amen. The thing about a baby is... No matter what the cry sounds like, I'm just taking it as you go, pastor. Like, that's good. That's great. Keep it going. Even if they're crying, being like run out of the sanctuary, I'm like, that baby is affirming what's happening right now. Um, thankfully, God gave me a, a sense of discernment in that moment that even though these two kind of outliers were warning me that it wasn't from him. I don't think that they were, they were not from the voice of my shepherd. So you know what I did? I ignored it. I just totally ignored it. And we moved on. Uh, on the flip side of things, I remember when I was 12 years old, before I was even really walking with the Lord, 
I was in church because I was a pastor's kid, um, and um, an older woman in the church, I, I viewed her as older at that point in my life. I recently found out she was about 20 when this happened. <laughs> this elderly woman came up to me, and <laughs> isn't it funny how that stuff changes? And uh, her name was Susan Sherry O'Terry. I remember her name. <laughs> and... Uh, this older woman, uh, she, she said that she felt like God put something on her heart for me. Um, she had asked kind of permission from my parents first, I think, and she said, I feel like God has put the gift of leadership on your life, and she gave me a book about developing as a leader after God's heart. And I wasn't really walking with God yet, nor did I care about what he was saying, but something by God's spirit allowed me to remember that, and it marked me. It was the first time someone really that I remember spoke that over me, as one of the things God has called me to do. And I've remembered that to the point that in some of my hardest seasons as a leader, using that gift that God has given me, that's one of the prophetic words that I've held on to. Be like, wait a second, God, you put me here. Uh, this is your mess. Like, uh, uh, help me because you called me to do this. You know what I mean? So I, by God's grace, I was able to discern as a 12-year-old, that was part of the voice of my shepherd. You see what I mean? So some things you just need to not let land on you. There have been things spoken over you that are so negative and so wrong that you sometimes just cling to. Not the voice of your shepherd. You need to cast it off. You need to come back to the voice of the shepherd. Verse 6, it goes on to say that Jesus was using this figure of speech, but they weren't getting it. They weren't understanding. So Jesus says again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Now, for those of you that are paying attention to the text here, you might have noticed up until this point and after this point, which we're going to talk about next week, Jesus is saying he's the good shepherd. But now all of a sudden he's the gate. So it's like, what are you, Jesus? Are you the good shepherd or are you the gate? And in studying, you learn some of this context. Check this out. When a shepherd was out in the field after a long day and it stayed out perhaps a little too long and they were too far away from a sheep pen or a fold, that shepherd knew he had to find shelter somewhere like a cave, a temporary spot. And he would put all his sheep into the enclosure and then he himself, the shepherd, would camp at the doorway of that enclosure for the night. And he himself, the shepherd, would become the gate for that particularly distressful season. Now, isn't that beautiful? Because the good shepherd is also the gate for us. He's using all of these images to help us understand who Jesus is to us, who God is to us. So he's our good shepherd. He's our leader, but he's also the one in a, in a dark and stormy night when we can't get back home, guarding the entrance of the cave as the gate himself. Isn't that awesome? I never knew that until studying for this sermon. So I'm a little excited on that point. That is so remarkable. He's the good shepherd, and he is the gate. And then verse 10, we get to the, where we're going to spend the rest of our time, the descriptions of the two visions for your life. It says in verse 10a, the first half, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. So number four, the thief's vision is to steal your life and leave you dead. The enemy has a vision for your life, and it's to steal it and to leave you dead. 
Now again, the enemy of our soul, the scripture refers to him as the father of lies. He tries to make his vision look so good. He tries to make it look so appealing. He tries to make it look like the only path, the only vision. But you can take it to the bank. Anything that the thief says to you or that your own sinful nature might say to you that pulls you away from God's vision for your life, anything that pulls you into sin, anything that pulls you towards just selfish ambition, anything that pulls you towards all these things where a conscience starts screaming at us, even if it's pleasing for a season, will in the end leave you dead. It is an empty promise. And it's, I think it's just important that we remember that he has a vision for us. Also interesting to note, I think the fact that the enemy so wants to steal our life shows us how valuable our life is. It's another evidence. Goodness, there's something really important about you. There's something really precious about your heart and your mind and exactly how God made you. There's something really perfect about your wiring and your gift set and your personality. Don't believe anything less than that. You are God's work of art to the point that the thief who hates God tries to get back at God for ha- by hating and destroying you. You are so valuable. You are the most precious thing in the museum. You're the most guarded thing. You're so valuable that the shepherd becomes the gate, right? But it's still up to us which vision we want to align with. It's like God has done everything except for just control your life to say, please follow my vision. Please step into the vision that I have for you. The only thing more he could do is make you a robot and say, you have to. But who wants that? I wouldn't want that as a father. I want my kids. It's like the old song, I want you to want me. (laughs) That's a very godly song. I don't know if you knew that. (laughs) God is basically saying, I want you to want this. And it takes a while. you got to learn the lessons over and over again. You know what I mean? But we can every single day realign ourselves with God's vision for us. Then in the second part of John 10, you see the good shepherd's vision. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So number five, God's vision for you is to give you life and life to the full. It's the opposite of the thief. The thief wants to take your life. And he's not the one who gave it to you in the first place. He didn't give you nothing. (laughs) The country came out of me. See, I'm getting influenced by Tennessee. (laughs) My California and Pennsylvania friends are like, hey, we're waiting for that accent to start. (laughs) Satan didn't give you anything, but he wants to take everything. God gave you everything, gave you life itself, and wants to keep giving you life. What sounds like a better vision? I love the line in the song we sang, uh, Reckless Love. He says, before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. What a great line. I feel like I didn't even really notice that line until today. Before I even was born and took a breath, you did the miracle in me. You saw me. You poured your life into me. You gave me the breath of life made in your image. What an incredible thing. Now, here's, the, here's a bit of a clarification. So, so lock in with me for a second. We're going to close here in a couple minutes. But a lot of times when we think about God's vision for us and the good shepherd's vision for us, we want to know the details. We want to know things like, okay, I'm so glad you have a vision for me. Who should I marry, right? Can you bring the special someone along already, please? Or should I take that job? Should I not take that job? Um, What decision should I make as a boss or an employee? What school should I go to? What should I study? What house should I buy? When's the rise? We want the details, right? Anybody with me? 
Like, have you ever prayed that prayer? Like, God, if you would just tell me really clearly everything to do, I'll do it. You know that? And it's like, no, that's not how it works. You know what I mean? It's God in perfect wisdom, in perfect wisdom. And when you see this in scripture over and over again, he is most interested in what is happening in you, who you are becoming, because that's what flows into all those details. Like the primary part of his vision for you, I think can be articulated by you having the fruit of the Holy Spirit, regardless of any external circumstance. So with or without the details that you may or may not want, God's vision for you is higher than that, deeper than that, and says, I want you to know what it is to love, to be loved, fruit of the Spirit. I want you to know what it is to have peace that passes all understanding regarding, irregardless, regardless of any circumstance. I want you to have peace. That's his vision for you. Who would like that? I would. Just those first two, I'm like, sign me up. Joy, patience, kindness, all these fruit of the Spirit, self-control. It's kind of like Matthew 6.33, which says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. That's my wife and I's... Um, core verse that's on our, the inside of our wedding bands. The context of that verse is uh, people trying to get enough food, get enough clothing, get enough shelter, get all the details of life worked out. But Jesus is saying, wait a second, the whole world runs after all that stuff. And they, they drive themselves crazy chasing all those things. And we've done it too. Jesus is saying, wait a second, seek first my kingdom, seek first my righteousness. And guess what? That's all going to be added to you. It's like, do you want to be the magnet or do you want to be the chaser of the magnet? Bear with me. If you seek first his kingdom and righteousness first and lean into God's vision for your life first, he says he will bring all that to you. You become the magnet of the provision of God. It's not that you don't have to work and you don't try. It's not that. It's just the posture of your heart is you're now going to live and work in that blessing of God, that place that says, you're, you're, the food you need, the covering you need, the clothing you need, the details you need, they will come because you've stepped into God's vision for your life at the core. Or you can be like most of the world around us and like how many of us have been many times and just chase the details until you kill yourself, right? I shouldn't say until you kill yourself, but until you exhaust yourself. His vision for us is deeper than just the details. My son is four now. His name is Clay. And a few weeks ago, actually right before he turned four, he discovered the Bop It game. And he has no Bop It. It has like Bop It in the middle. It has twist. It has turn or no spin. It has flick and it has pull. Yep. Thank you. And Clay discovered how to play this. And we were a little bit impressed because all of a sudden Clay was sitting in the corner playing Bop It. And we were like, it seems like he's doing it. And then he got like 12 or 13 or something like that. And we, were, we were like, what? How did he do that? That's it's not that easy to just get 12 or 13. And so we started giving him a lot of attention for his skills on the bop it, which, of course, he loved. So then he starts picking up the bop it, and he checks who's watching, and he's playing. He's like, yes, watch this. We had bop it our whole two weeks in Pennsylvania, and he got better and better and better. All of a sudden, he's in the 20s. He's in the 30s. Well, I'm not kidding you. Last week, he scored six, I'm sorry, 86, 86 on the bop it. If you've tried the bop it, you know how hard that is. He has the record for my entire family, all of my siblings, aunts and uncles, no one can beat Clay. He's four. It's unbelievable. I have the 86 one on video. And I, I just, you know, I don't know how he's doing that, but he has some kind of, I don't know, it's like unfair. All his sisters are like, what? How is he destroying me at the boppet? Right, Kenzie, right? And as we're all like, he's, Clay has the record. But me as his father, I'm glad he's good at boppet. Like, 
great. High five, Clay. It's fun. Good job on Bop It. But that's not really my vision for his life as his father. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's not my primary vision. I'm glad. I hope he's good at things and works hard. Um, there's this other thing he does right now where if I'm trying to take a nap or lay it on my bed or anything, he will ine- inevitably find me and just jump on me. You know that? And he lays right here on my stomach and on my chest. He puts his elbows right here, and he puts his chin in his elbows and just looks in my face. And we just lay there. <laughs> yeah, that's me with him. I, one of these times recently, I caught this picture. And I, I say this with all seriousness. My vision for Clay is much more this than doing great at Bop It. And what I mean by that is I want him to grow up in safe space with me and the love of his father and his mother and obviously, ideally, the love of God and find wholeness and rest and peace, the fruit of the Spirit. I want him to learn the fruit of the Spirit. This is my vision for him more than anything else. And think of Bop It, you know, metaphorically. Like, I want him to get a good job. I want him to work hard. I want him to do education. I want him to do good at whatever. But I want him to learn the fruit of the Spirit in the context of the love of his father. And I want him to ultimately learn that from his heavenly father. And I want to demonstrate that for him. And, and just think of it like this. He might want me to like just be like high-fiving him constantly for the details of his life. And I will do that too, but it's not the point. It's not the primary thing. If he doesn't get the fruit of the spirit and the rest with his father in place, all the Bop it competitions won't satisfy him. You know, he, he could dominate Bop it for the rest of his life. He could be the best Bop it player in the world, which I would say he probably has a shot. But he will not be satisfied. He will not have the fruit of the Spirit because of Bop It, right? And I just think it's helpful for us to remember the vision of our Heavenly Father is deeper than the details. And it can be encouraging for us in moments when we just are not sure what to do. And we can lean more into, I want this fruit of the Holy Spirit. And the the truth about all this is, is that we miss God's vision for our life. We miss it. But he has made a way back. That's called the gospel. Sin is what makes us miss the vision. Sin just means to miss the mark. The good news of Jesus says you can come right back to this vision anytime. The worship team can come on up while I share this last point. It's kind of like a GPS system. You know how if you're following your GPS, think of that as the voice of your shepherd. If you go off course, it immediately starts rerouting. And that's, that's grace. That's mercy. At any moment, you could start following this other vision, but you can come back to the voice of your shepherd. Isn't that great news? What it practically looks like is align yourself with God's vision by following the voice of your shepherd. Do it every day. Realign yourself with the voice of your shepherd, with the vision of your God, and do it in the context of grace. I was talking to Kenzie, my uh, almost 10-year-old, before first service. She came into my office when I was just going over my notes and praying, and she said, what are you preaching on? And so I told her, I'm I'm preaching on how there's two visions for your life, one from the thief and one from God. One wants to kill you and one wants you to have life. And she was like, whoa. (laughs) And she said, that sounds kind of scary. That was her response. That sounds kind of scary. And I was like, well, I guess it can be scary. But I then, of course, explained to her, and I want to share with us now in closing, we should never live in fear about this. I just know too many Christians who get it in their mind, oh, my goodness, I might have missed God's perfect will. I might have missed his vision. Now it's over. We all miss it. That's called sin. And we can all can come right, we all can come right back to the vision. You don't live in fear about this thing. You should have a healthy reverence about the whole thing, but we're not afraid. 
He's taking us around in fields of grace, right? You may wander off onto this other voice. Okay, don't sweat it. Come right back. Isn't that an amazing gift? That's called repentance. Come right back to the voice of your shepherd. When I was ordering Chick-fil-A the other day, which I do at least once or twice a week, I was driving through the drive-thru doing an order for my whole family, so it was a big, complicated order um, because all my kids have their specific orders. (laughs) And uh, there was someone in training taking my order. And her name was Grace. And her name tag said, Grace in Training. And I thought it was so awesome. And after she finished my order, I started asking her about her name. I wanted to confirm that it was, I was her name and she's in training. And it's Grace in Training. I actually really wanted to take a picture of it, but that would have been weird from like, <laughs> it crossed my mind. I followed the voice of my shepherd the other way and said, I'm not going to take a picture of Grace in Training. But I almost was that guy who's like, can I take your picture right now? Um, Because I wanted to show it to you guys. But we are all in training when it comes to following the voice of our shepherd. We're all in training. And the context of that training is fields of grace. There is no fear. There's no anxiety. You don't have to worry about missing God's will. He wants you more than you want him. And if you're feeling stirred today, pray with me. God, I just want to come back and say yes to your voice again. I just want to say yes to your vision for my life. So let's pray. Lord, forgive us for running after other visions sometimes. Forgive us for listening to the voice of false shepherds or predators sometimes. Forgive us for believing things about ourselves and you that are false and lies. We want to return to your vision for our life. Just pray for yourself. I want to return to your vision for me, God, period. Teach me what it is to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. Teach me love, joy, and peace. Teach me patience and kindness and gentleness, self-control. God, I, I, I surrender all the details of my life to you. I pray that you will order them in your way, in your timing, exactly how you want because I trust your vision for me. You are my good shepherd. You are the gate. You are my protection. You are my comfort, and I say yes to you. We say yes to you. We say yes to your vision. Thank you for dreaming us up. Can you just thank him for that, church? Thank you for dreaming me up, God. Thank you for dreaming this whole thing up. Thank you, Lord. We want to follow your ways. One closing thought before I pray this benediction. I just feel like someone needs to hear that maybe is feeling a little bit afraid, kind of like what my daughter said. Man, nothing can snatch you out of the hands of your shepherd, right? Yet, Yes, wrestle with the truth of this. Return to his voice, but you're in the Lord's hands, right? He, you belong to him. He wants you to do this from a posture of joy and of peace. So we say yes to that guy. I'm going to pray this benediction, and then we'll be dismissed. If you're coming to Newcomers Connect, um, since I went over a little bit, we're going to go up there pretty quickly. So just join me right upstairs. If you're leaving kids in either the the kids' wing or upstairs, just run real quick and tell them. Make sure they know you're leaving them, and then run right up to Newcomers Connect. We have food up there. I'm going to head straight up there. I won't be in the foyer saying hi to everybody. So those of you that I already know, I love you, but I'm not hugging you today. It was good to see you. And let me pray this benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. In Christ's name, amen. Love you guys. Have a good afternoon.